Welcome to Gracious Words. Gracious Words is taken from the weekly women's Bible study taught by Cheryl Broderson at Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California. We behold your glory, God, in the face of Christ. It shows us who you are, revealing who you are. Faith makes the impossible possible because it acknowledges that Jesus is the only hope that we have. Whatever situation you are going through, hold fast to your faith and remember that Jesus is the ultimate answer. Here is part three of Cheryl's message titled, Four Aspects of Faith. And Jesus says how hard it is for those who have riches to be saved. It's easier for a camel to go through an eye of a needle than for a rich man to be saved. Peter's hearing this, says, Lord, then who can be saved? And Jesus says, with men, it's impossible. But with Jesus, all things are possible. Now, you've no doubt read in some commentary, heard some preachers say, now in Israel, there's this little gate called the eye of a needle. And if a camel goes down on its knees, like really a devout praying camel, and puts its head really low and squirms and squeezes, it can make it through, but it would have to bow completely to get through the eye of the needle. Hogwash. That's what my dad would say. Hogwash. My dad would get so upset. My dad, Chuck Smith, just to throw it out there, he would get so upset when he heard that. Because you know what it is? It's man's attempt to still somehow merit heaven. Well, if I just get low enough, humble myself enough, if I just pray enough, if I just squirm and squeeze myself through, then I can save my self. If I just try hard enough, if I'm just earnest enough about getting through that gate, then I can be saved. Jesus said with men, it is impossible. You're trying to get a camel through an eye of a needle. And Jesus said, that's impossible. We're talking about a tailor's needle and a big old double hump camel. I just threw the extra hump in for emphasis. It's impossible. We cannot save ourselves. No way, no merit, no amount of religious activity, ritual, keeping of the law, squeezing, squirming, humbling ourselves. We cannot save ourselves. We are saved through faith alone, in Christ alone. When Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane, he bowed three times and he said, Father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. If there is salvation by any other means than the death and sacrifice of Jesus Christ, it would have been done that way because that was the prayer of Jesus. 
but there was no other way by which man can be saved, as Peter said in Acts, than by the name and the action of Jesus. So, faith makes the impossible possible. Then, according to Luke 18, 35 through 43, as Jesus is passing through Jericho, there's a blind man sitting on the side of the road and he hears a commotion and he begins to ask questions. What's going on? What's going on? Because he's blind. He can't see, but he hears. And somebody says, it's Jesus of Nazareth. And the moment he hears this, he begins to call out with everything in him, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And the crowd say, shh, stop that. You're making a spectacle. This is Jesus. Show some respect. Stop that. And the more they try to silence him, the more he cries out. Jesus, thou son of David. Why? Because faith is desperate for Jesus. Faith recognizes that Jesus, the son of David, is the only hope we have in this world. The only hope. Whatever situation you're going through, faith recognizes the answer is Jesus. Like those enthusiastic children in Sunday school, when you say, where was Jesus born? Jesus. That's the answer to everything. Have you ever noticed that? Those of you who have taught Sunday school, what kind of flower is this? Jesus. What'd you eat for breakfast? Jesus. Okay, these are real questions. Jesus is a good answer. It's not the answer right now, but it's a good answer. But you see, he realizes that Jesus is the answer. The ultimate answer is Jesus. And he will not be silenced. Faith cannot be silenced because faith is so desperate for Jesus. And Jesus, we're told, stops, just stops. And he commands that this blind man, Mark tells us his name is Bartimaeus, in Mark chapter 10, be brought to him. I love how Jesus, in speaking with this man, doesn't assume, even though it's obvious that he's blind, But he says, what do you want me, the son of man, to do for you? What do you want done? Wow, what a blank check. I am that I am. Is saying to Bartimaeus, what do you want me to do for you? The son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life a ransom for many. Here is Jesus the son of David, the Messiah, saying to this blind man, what is it you want me to do for you? Now, a blind man was an absolute outcast. In those days, they believed if someone was born with a defect like blindness or became blind during their life, it was because of some sin. And they absolutely deserved the condition that they were in. And here's Jesus saying to this blind man, what do you want me to do for you? And of course, Bartimaeus says, Lord, my eyes, that I may see. Jesus touches him and we're told immediately, Bartimaeus could see. And he began to glorify God and follow Jesus. 
There was nothing keeping him from following Jesus. No possessions, no nothing. Jesus had just opened his eyes and given him what no one else could give him, sight. Okay, this is the number two, the big two. Who are those who ascertain faith? So in this chapter, chapter 18, we learn of those who receive faith and those who don't receive faith. Who qualifies for faith? We see that women as well as men can qualify for faith. We see that the poor or the rich qualify for faith. We see that those in need qualify for faith. We see those with adversaries and those without adversaries qualify for faith. The humble, those who know they are sinners, those who plead for mercy, those who wiggle and squirm and do all they can to get into the embrace of Jesus, not to get through the eye of the needle, but to get into the embrace of Jesus. Those who are willing to give up what they cannot keep for that which they cannot lose. Paul in Philippians 3, verses 7 and 8 said, But what things were gained to me, these I have counted loss for Christ. But indeed, I also count all things loss for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ. This is what the rich young ruler could not do. But Paul did this. He said, I count them rubbish. Nothing will supersede my relationship with Jesus Christ. Those are the ones who can receive faith. The blind can receive faith and operate in faith. Beggars can receive faith. And those who come to him because he is the son of David and recognize him as the Messiah and Savior of the world come to him in faith. But who doesn't qualify? Who, who doesn't receive faith? Those who think they can merit God's favor by good works and good endeavors. Anytime that you begin to compare yourself with someone else, beware, you are entering into the world of merit and not mercy. Any comparison, any competition, you are entering into the world of merit and not mercy. Those who come to him as good master, not good savior, king, and sovereign. Those who are only looking for a master who is beneficial rather than a Lord who is sacrificial will not receive faith. Those who want a feat to qualify themselves or a philosophy to live by, a suggestion, some advice, who want God's approval of their goodness and their works, like Cain in Genesis, who wanted God's approval of his sacrifice, Genesis chapter 4, rather than Abel, who came because of the blood of the Lamb. Those who try to come to God because of their earthly productivity, what they've planted, what they've reaped, what they've harvested, what they've worked for, rather than those who come on the basis of the blood of the lamb, cannot receive faith. 
those who want just simply a moral instruction, a no-cost commitment, unnecessary to better their lives, cannot receive faith. Those who cannot release their riches, position, posture in society, passion for morality, perfect behavior to receive Jesus cannot receive faith. Again, how hard it is for those who trust in riches to enter the kingdom of God. For it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter heaven. Those who simply want to add Jesus to their life rather than bring him into their heart by faith as the King of kings and Lord of lords cannot receive faith. The big three, what are the awards of faith? What does faith get for us? What does faith do for us? Well, from the widow, we learn that faith avenges us of our enemies. It takes vengeance on our adversaries, whether it be the world, the flesh, the devil. Those who would seek to do us harm, they become the enemies of God. From the Pharisee and tax collector, we learn that faith justifies us. It qualifies us before God. It allows us in. And it exalts the humble and humbles the exalted. From the children, we learn that faith gives us acceptance and constant welcome into the presence of Jesus. Faith. Faith brings us constantly into the presence of Jesus and into the very embrace of Jesus. Jesus laid his hands on these children and blessed them and defended them. This is what faith does for us. It brings us Jesus' touch, Jesus' blessing, and Jesus' defense of us. From the rich young ruler, we learn that faith does the impossible. What man cannot do, God does through the venue of faith. Man cannot save themselves, but God saves us through faith in Christ Jesus. In Luke 18, 29 through 30, we learn that no man has given up houses or parents or brothers or wife or children for the sake of the kingdom of God who shall not receive many times more in this present time and in the age to come everlasting life. That faith recompenses for every loss that it makes up. As it says in Joel, that God pays back what the locust has eaten. What seems to be eaten away, dissolved by the world, God gives back through faith, through faith. In fact, Jesus says in, in the gospel of Mark, Mark recorded it this way and Matthew recorded it this way, that he would compensate on earth a hundred times more, a hundred times more. You know, I know people that have lost, lost fathers, but they come to church and God gives them many fathers many. They've lost brothers, but they come in here and they get a family of brothers, more brothers than they know what to do with, more sisters than they know what to do with, more security, more homes. But Mark adds this, with persecution. We need that persecution. 
Because otherwise, even we as believers try to make earth heaven. Earth is earth and heaven is heaven. There's a big distinction. And we can't keep trying to make earth heaven. So God compensates. But he compensates. And there'll still be persecution. There'll still be troubles because this is earth. There will still be pulled muscles in age. But God compensates for every loss. Many times more in this present time and then with everlasting life in the age to come. When the Bible speaks of everlasting life, it is not speaking just of a quantity of time, but a quality, the highest quality of life. From the blind man, we learn that faith is heard by Jesus, actually stops Jesus. Jesus stops when he hears faith, and he hears faith. That faith brings us to Jesus. That faith opens our eyes. Faith glorifies God, and faith magnifies Jesus. Now, how did we attain to this faith? In other words, who or how was the door of salvation by faith open to us? Well, it came through the suffering, condemnation, crucifixion, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. It is wrong to teach a cross without a resurrection. You see, the cross was man's verdict. It was the high priest delivering the sacrificial lamb for the sins of the world. But the resurrection, according to John Stott, is the divine reversal from heaven's court of the human verdict. The earth said, he's he's guilty, he's guilty. And heaven said, he has done no wrong. You know, we have a Supreme Court, right? Where you can appeal if you believe you've got an unjust verdict, but they don't always get it right. So we go to the supremest court, the supremest court, the court of heaven. You see, because of Jesus, in Isaiah, God says, it's a small thing that I should give my son as a light to the Jews. I will make him a light to the Gentiles, to the world. I will make his blood, his sacrifice count for anybody who will believe in the accomplishment of my son, that he fulfilled the word of the prophets and the law, that he kept it scrupulously, that he kept it perfectly, that he kept it with the right attitude, with the right constancy, and in the right way. You see, we are accepted today because of what Jesus, the son of David, has done for us. He went to Jerusalem out of obedience to his father. As it tells us here in Luke 19, 18, 31 through 33, Jesus accomplished all that was foretold about him in the scriptures. He was delivered 
to the Gentiles. He was mocked. He was insulted. He was spit upon. He was scourged. In fact, we're told in Isaiah 53 that those stripes that he received were for our healing, for our sake. He was put to death that our sins might be paid for, that our sins might be forgiven, that we might receive all that he deserves because of his righteousness, because of his goodness. He bore our sins, the just for the unjust. Peter puts it this way in 1 Peter 3.18, for Christ also suffered once for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive by the Spirit. And then he rose on the third day, that we might know that his sacrifice was so perfect, It so pleased the Father. It so covered all our sins. He was raised for our justification that we might look at the resurrection of Jesus Christ and go, I'm in. I'm in by faith. I'm going to heaven. I can pray and be heard because of what Jesus has done. You see, today, because of what Jesus has done, We can persevere in prayer and be heard and be avenged of all our enemies, death, the grave, sin, the devil, the world. We are avenged. Oh, death, where is thy victory? Oh, sin, where is thy sting? We've been avenged by God because of faith in Jesus Christ. Because of faith in Jesus Christ, like the tax collector, we can appeal to God on the basis of his mercy and be justified, qualified, and heard. Because of what Jesus has done, we can run into the arms of Jesus and be blessed because of what Jesus has been done. The impossible has been made possible. There are no longer any impossibilities in our life because of what Jesus has done. All things are possible, not because of my merit, but because of Jesus. The impossible has become possible. The camel has gone through the eye of the needle because of what Jesus has done. Because of what Jesus has done, we who are blind and beggars and told to be quiet by the influential of this world, we are heard by Jesus. We are touched and we have our request answered by Jesus. Our eyes are open all because of what Jesus has done. These are the benefits that are ours simply by believing that Jesus has done what he did. He has accomplished everything that was foretold in God's word concerning his life, his death, and his resurrection. Now by faith, 
we cry out. Now by faith, we are justified. Now by faith, we are embraced and blessed. Now by faith, we are heard and healed and receive our sight. All by faith in Jesus Christ. Not our merits, but Jesus alone has accomplished all this for us. Condemnation is over. Be like a child. Squirm, run, get loose from this world and get into the arms of Jesus, whatever it takes. Become a child, lose the condemnation and grasp the faith that is ours through what Jesus has done. All the blessings and promises we walk in today are because of what Jesus has done. He has accomplished everything that was foretold in God's word concerning his life, his death, and his resurrection. Now, by faith, we are saved through grace and justified. We are forgiven, accepted, and blessed of God. We have the hope of heaven and an inheritance incorruptible all by faith in Jesus Christ because of what he alone has accomplished for us. We hope you have been blessed by today's Bible study. For more information about the Gracious Words radio program and the teaching ministry of Cheryl Broderson, please visit our website at graciouswords.com. Coming up next time on the Gracious Words program, we'll look at Luke 19 and how to make the most out of the opportunities God gives us as we continue our Jesus Magnified study in the Gospel of Luke with Cheryl Broderson. We do hope you make plans to join us. Again, for more information, please visit our website at graciouswords.com. This program is sponsored by Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California.